Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We just start with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are. Your word says that where two or three are gathered together in your name, then you are in the midst. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you give life. We thank you that you give joy. We thank you that you give peace. And we thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. We pray that as the word goes forth today that it would be received and understood and that lives would be changed and that perspectives would be given. That we may go forward in purpose with a new mind and the new understanding and a new way to move and operate according to your word, fulfilling the will that you have for our lives. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to uh, say good morning to you all. You look beautiful, as usual. I'm sure you have wonderful smiling faces, even though I can't see them behind all these masks, but it's a, an honor to be before you this morning. Um, I, again, bring greetings on behalf of Pastor Bob and Lady Denise and my parents, uh, Bishop and Dr. Granham, and I just wanted to give a shout out to my wife, Chevis, who's in the building with us, and she does more for me than I could ever repay her for, so I just wanna give her a shout out right there. And then the boys too, they, they helped me grow. They, they helped me grow. But I, I wanna speak to you this morning. I, I, I don't wanna preach, but I, I just wanna have a conversation. I just wanna share uh, my, my thoughts. And the Bible in Romans 12, verse one to eight, it says, I beseech ye, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. Who, uh, he who exhorts in exhortation. Who, he who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. People search for meaning, uh, uh, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I just want to talk to you today about uh, the, the power of a changed mind. The, the power of uh, a changed mind, and it's, it's, it's part of a series that I'm working on, actually, because there's Every time I, I get into something, you know, my, my ADD takes over and I, 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 it branches out in so many different ways that I can't compile it into to one message and so I have to, to break it apart. But I just wanted to bring something and, and leave something that you might be able to chew on. And, and bear with me, you can probably hear it in my voice. I have uh, allergies. Um, they're pretty bad. I don't even know 
how or when or, or why, but uh, we took a trip to Canada um, last week for our family reunion, and when I got back, the moment I got back and opened up my car door to the pollen and maybe pollutants in Philadelphia, my whole system just started going haywire. Um, but I just want to say it's, it's, it's incumbent upon you to change your mind and to change your mindset. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable will and, and, and perfect will of God. When the Bible says don't conform any longer to the patterns and be transformed, it's talking about a change of, of, of mindset. See, when we were growing up as children, you know, we, we might have been told that something was going to happen, right? You know how, how uh, you, parents make promises to children to, to get them to do something or get them to stop doing something most of the time? Hey, hey, stop, stop doing that. If you stop, then I'll, I'll buy you something from Target, right? Or... or, or Toys R Us, or I don't know what the incentive stores were back in the day when you were growing up. Who, who's here, who, who here has grandchildren? Because I want to I wanna go back, back. You have grandchildren, and when you were raising your children, and they were, uh, they might have been acting up, or you needed them to do something, and you wanted to give them some incentive, what did you tell them? Huh? You didn't give incentives, you, you threatened, right? There's a great difference. See, when I was growing up, the, we were like the, the U.S. government. You, we do not negotiate with terrorists. There wasn't no negotiations going on. If they wanted you to do something, they, they said, do it. And if you didn't do it, there were, there were consequences, right? There weren't too many incentives in my house growing up that I can, that I can remember. But nowadays, you know, we live in a different time. And, you know, I, 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 I see parents saying, well, if you stop, I'll, I'm, I'll go to Target and I'll get you some toys. Because, you know, there's no Toys R Us anymore. There's no toy stores. Target is their toy store, or Five Below, or you get them something from Amazon, but you, you, you say, I'm going, to, I'm going to do something, but every once in a while, my parents would, you know, tell me that they were going to do something, and they, then they would change their mind, right? I'll, I'll get you something. We'll, we'll go somewhere. We'll, we'll do this. And when that time got nearer, and we didn't seem to be getting in the car or whatever they might have promised, and I use that in quotations. Whatever they might have promised, if it didn't happen, we would come to them and we would say, well, well you said this. And we might have got a, okay, yeah, I did say that, but, you know, I changed my mind. And actually, I can remember having, you know, interactions with my older siblings. And they are the ones who made promises. You know, if, if you... All right, if you, if you clean this up, then I'm, I'm going to get you th these toys or, or, or whatever. And they would change their mind. And in my house, if my mom changed her mind, if my dad changed her mind, his mind, that was the end of the discussion. There was no, why did you change your mind, right? There, there was no, but you said, right? But you, but, but you said, those are fighting words growing up, right? You don't want to be fighting with adults talking about, but, but you said. But what I realized was that whenever they said I changed my mind, then that meant that whatever outcome that I was expecting changed as well. To me, 
I changed my mind meant that the outcome had changed. The expectation had changed. Whatever I, I, I was hoping for had changed, right? There was, so there was never a discussion. There was, I, I, I changed my mind. The, the plan, the idea, the object that we had hoped for, the outcome that we had expected had changed as well simply because someone's mind had changed. Changed mindsets lead to changed outcomes. Changed mindsets lead to changed outcomes always. And changed minds bring forth changed lives. Change begins, in fact, with the mindset. And in order to create change, you must first change your mind and your way of thinking. So when the Bible says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's, it's not just a, something that we say. It sounds good. There's a lot of scriptures that we say and we memorize, and they sound good, but we have to really, truly understand them. We have to change our way of thinking, our way of thinking, not just our way of memorizing scripture, right? But we have to actually change the way in which we think. In order to please God, in order to do what is his good and perfect will, we have to change the way that we think. And I just want to talk about today the first step, which is we have to understand in order to change the way we think, we have to understand that we are created for a purpose. We are created for a purpose. I, anybody like to drive? Anybody really, really like to drive? But, 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 the, but the roads, you like to drive. You love it. How often do you go leisure driving, leisurely driving? You, you love it though, right? Are you a great driver? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I heard a no over here. <laughs> Y'all might have to race around the campus after service. But you consider yourself a great driver. Do your passengers consider you a great driver? I mean... You would know more than me. Do they continue to ride with you? Amen. That, that means a lot, right? If, if, if you think you're a great driver, but you don't have any passengers, then you may not be a good driver. If no one wants to ride with you, then you may not be as good as you think, right? But you're a great driver, a good driver, and you love to drive but you don't do any leisure driving. You don't just get in the car and go for a ride. That's interesting. As good as you are at driving, you don't do it for no reason. There's always a reason for you to get in that car. Right? You make sure that there's a reason that you're doing what you're doing. I feel like one of the, in, in Christendom, we've been taught to be good and, and to do good and to do well and to have certain qualities and characteristics. And we've been taught to master those things, but sometimes I, I feel like we're taught to master for the sake of mastering. We're, we're taught to be righteous for the sake of being righteous. We're taught to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit just so that we may flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I don't even jump in my car for no reason. And as good as a driver as you are, you don't do it for no reason. There's always a reason. There's always a purpose. And whatever God tells us to do, especially when he says, I beseech you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service, and to do not be conformed to the patterns, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a reason that I want you to do it. 
There's a, a purpose for it. We're all created with and for a purpose, and we all have meaning. We desire as Christians to be like Jesus, but I, I don't think that we think about what Jesus desired to be. Right? We think about the what of his personality without giving thought to the for what. We think about the, the, the how he acted without thinking about why he acted the way that he acted. We're taught to, to just be good. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't sin and God will be pleased with you without wondering why. Jesus didn't merely exist. He came into this world for a purpose. He existed for a purpose. He knew what he was called to do and how he lived was based on why he lived. The how of his existence was based on the why of his existence. He didn't just exhibit the fruits of the Spirit because that's how he was. As the Son of God, he exuded joy. He exuded love, peace, and patience, and kindness, and long-suffering, and, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control because of who he was, because of why he came. And Jesus knew who he was. He said, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Amen? He knew what he was here for. The, the first part of, of understanding, the first part of, of realization is to understand that you have a purpose. No one's going to renew their mind if they don't have a reason to. You don't read books to learn if you don't have a reason to. You don't, you don't seek to understand if you don't have a, a reason to. We've been taught to, to put on these things and we don't know the reason. God has placed purpose in all of us. Jesus said, I have come. He told people, he said, look, this is what I'm here for. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So I've not come to call the righteous but I've come to call sinners to repentance. The first time we see Jesus interacting here on this earth, we see him in the temple as a child, talking to the scholars, and, and, and he's interacting with them, and his parents are looking for him. And he says, in Luke 2, he says, why are you even looking for me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? His entire existence on the earth was dedicated to his purpose. And he knew what it was. He had a meaning for his life. He knew who he was and why he came. And unfortunately, we, don't, we all don't have the same self-awareness that Jesus did. It would be easy if we did. It'd be easy if we knew from the minute that we are self-aware what we were here for, right? But we, we, do, we do not always know. The search and meaning for life, the search for meaning in life refers to the idea that individuals are strongly motivated to find meaning in their lives, that is, to be able to understand the nature of their personal existence and feel it is significant and purposeful. People want to know the, the meaning of their existence, and it has to be significant. It has to be, to be, it has to be meaningful. Life feels meaningful to people when they can satisfactorily, satisfactorily answer the big questions about their lives, such as who I am, why I'm here, what is truly important to me, and what I'm supposed to do with my life. That finding meaning in life is considered a fundamental motivation by some. And it means that human beings must perceive a sufficient amount of meaning within their lifetime. In other words, feeling that one's life is significant, comprehensible, or purposeful may be necessary for human psychological functioning. All that we do is based upon our, our search for meaning and, and our understanding of, of who we are. All that we do, the same way we don't jump into a car without knowing where we're going, we don't operate on a daily basis without 
trying to have an understanding of what we're doing it for. And I, I run into a lot of people who, you know, are just getting into, you know, religion or they're, they're you know, seeking different, you know, thought processes. And they're trying to find the meaning in life, right? Trying to get some understanding of life. They want to know what, what is the purpose? What is, what is the meaning of this? And I, I tell them that, you know, sometimes there's some things that have always been in you. So I, I've been on a, uh, I've been, been studying a lot recently and I, I, I study myself, right? I like to study myself. I like to try and figure out what's going on up here. We all have to take some time to do that, right? Because it, it because we have to, uh, uh, we have to know not just who we are, but why we are. And what we tend to do is look at others and judge ourselves against others, right? So we, we gain motivation sometimes based on what we see other people doing. Well, all right, well, he did that. How come I can't do that? Well, she, she's, she's not smarter than me. How come she's able to achieve this? Right? I, I know I'm funnier than him, but why is he getting paid to make people laugh and I'm not? Right, Ricky? We, 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 we judge ourselves, and the older we get, the more we judge ourselves. Because we, think, we see things happening, we see things moving, we see our lives progressing or not. And we seek to find understanding. And, and sometimes your purpose is wrapped up not only in the things that you like, the things that call you. See, sometimes I can't get sleep because there, there's certain things that God has told me to do years ago that I may not have done that, that wake me up and... It's like, well, why haven't you done it yet? Why, why haven't you? No one's responsible but you, right? But then the Bible says this, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to what? His purposes, right? So sometimes the experiences that we go through in life are those things that are worked into the framework of our existence, that add to our meaning, add to our purpose. See, sometimes we have to stop getting down on ourselves. Look, when I jump in a car, I like to use my GPS, right? Doesn't matter where I'm going. If I'm going like, you know, two minutes away, I'm going to the gas station, I'm going to my, my in-laws house, they live three minutes away. If I'm going 10 minutes away, then I'm going to use my GPS because I don't, I don't like getting stuck in traffic. Right? I don't like accidents. I don't like being, I don't have a lot of patience behind the wheel anymore. I used to love to drive when I was driving for myself. But now that I spend the majority of my life behind the wheel, driving children around all day long, now I don't like to drive. I don't want to be in the car anymore. They, they fight in the back seat. Like, how, like how, how can you fight for no reason? I'm a witness to everything. I'm the, I'm the judge and the jury, and there's no reason to be arguing right now. He looked at you. So what? <laughs> but when I get in the car, I turn on my GPS because I want to know where I'm going. I don't want to be slowed down. But imagine I get in the car and I, I go to my destination and then when I get there, it takes me, you know, it might have been a 20 minute drive but it took me 30 minutes and I get there and I sit down and instead of going and doing what I'm supposed to do when I get there, I sit down and I take out my GPS and I figure out what was it that slowed me down. Was, was there an accident along the way? 
Okay, there was an accident. How, how come I didn't know about that accident? What would I do better next time? How, how, could, I, how could I have gotten to this point faster? How, how come I didn't know? I, I, I don't like to, to be like, what, what could I have done to, to, to do it differently? And I, instead of going to my destination and doing what I was intending to do when I got there, I sit down and I spend time looking backwards, trying to figure out where I went wrong. Because that's what we do. We try and figure out where, all right, where did I go wrong? Instead of moving forward, we, we look back and we, oh, man, I, I, see, I, I messed up here. And, all right, if I go again, I, I don't want to mess up again the same way. So, so let me try and figure out, all right, is that, that's how I messed up? And, and, and I'm, I'm moving forward but looking back so I don't know where I'm going. Because my destination isn't clearly fixed in my eyesight. It's not clearly fixed in my, my, my vision. My purpose isn't the only thing that I'm focused on. So when I have an idea of my purpose, when I look at my experiences and I, and I say, okay, this is, this is what I've been through. This is what I've gone through. This is what I've experienced. This is now a part of me. Because I can't undo what has already been done. Sometimes we spend time stopped trying to undo what has already been done. We can't, we can't rewind. We can't go back to the future and do it again. But we, we really want to sometimes. Am, am I the only one? Am I? I, I? I'm sure that there's some things in your life that you wish you could redo. And you wish you could redo them so badly that you spend a lot of time thinking about them. But sometimes we have to, there's a, there's a podcast that I like, um, it's called The Pivot Podcast. Two, two, two brothers that uh, you know, were a part of a different podcast and that, that podcast broke up. And so as a result, they had to pivot and, and do their own thing, and they call it the pivot podcast. And sometimes we just have to, to pivot. And sometimes the, the journey that God places us on causes us to, to pivot and move in a different direction than we originally thought we would. Sometimes we do some things that, that become a part of us, right? So now this is who I am. Now, as I, I'm, I'm married with children, so now, because I'm married with children, I must move forward with the understanding that I'm married with children. I can't do everything that I used to do as a single person. I can't operate the same way. I have to know, okay, these are my, my they got to get picked up at a certain time, right? I can't just go to the movies by myself. At, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, knowing that they have to get picked up. Am I right? Because our experiences are added to us. They're part of my journey now. They're part of my experience. So as I move forward, now this becomes my journey. These, these people that live in my home, they're, they're part of how I move forward. The things that I've been through are a part of how I move forward. The disappointments that I've gone through are how I've, are how I move, they're a part of how I move forward. I don't have to carry them with a crutch, but I can use them to go forward in my journey. Now, the, now I have a ministry because God has shown grace to me when he, when I didn't realize I needed grace, because there was a time when, you know, I thought that I could just be good and do good, and that was enough. And I didn't need grace like other people needed grace, because I was good. 
I was doing the right thing. They need the grace. They need the prayer. I'm going to stick to my fasting. They need the prayer. Right? Self-righteous. Me thinking that my righteousness is mine. Me thinking that my goodness is good enough. But then when you get a little grace, when you didn't realize you needed it, and you realize you do, it's, it's like being in a desert and you're thirsty and you're passing out and, and, and you think it's just the heat. And you're thirsty and you don't know what it is that you need. And, and, and God looks at your experience and he says, I'm going to give you some water. And it fills you up and it, it quenches your thirst. And, and now you understand something that you didn't understand before. There's a part of your journey, a part of your experience, a part of your story of being in the desert and getting some water. And so now when you move forward, I can move forward. And when I see you thirsty, I understand what it is. We, at the funeral yesterday, I dressed up my sons. And I dressed up the little one, Ari, and I, you know, we got him a suit and I put on an undershirt. And, you know, a dress shirt and a vest and a jacket. And I, I tell people, like, I dress up a lot. And people think I overdress. I don't overdress. I just dress for inside. I don't, I don't dress for the outside. I don't dress for the sun. I dress for the AC, right? So I dressed him up thinking about being in here at the funeral, and I forgot about going to the cemetery. And that heat and that sun. And as soon as the body was lowered, and we started to walk back to the car. My son told me that Alexander came over to me and said, Ari needs you. And when I walked over to him, he was on the ground and he had collapsed because he was overheated. And when I saw him, I knew exactly what it was because when I was younger, I used to faint in church. I only fainted in church, never fainted anywhere else, ever. <laughs> Only in church. I'd be on a choir. I don't know if I was smiling too long. I don't know if I was overdressed. I, I, I really wasn't nervous, but I would always, I remember I, I fake passed out one time because I was coming home from school and I knew what was waiting for me because I knew what I had done in school that day. And so the moment I got to the grass and, and walked home and got to the grass, I just, uh, I laid out right in the front lawn, right in front of the door. I might have went to sleep. I wasn't getting up. They were going to find me that day. There's no way I was walking in the house that day. But he passed out. I mean, he collapsed. And he was weak. And I could look at his lips, and they were a little gray. And we gave him some water. But I, I knew what it was for him because I remembered my experience. So I knew how to help him with his experience. And so when we are talking about purpose and the renewed mind, we have to keep in mind that everything that we do, if, if I want my mind to be renewed, it has to come from a place of this is where I'm going. So I have a reason to renew my mind. I have a reason to operate differently. I have a reason to think differently. Sometimes we get into experiences that make us change the way we think. There's no way out except for the renewing of the mind. Otherwise, we get stuck in the patterns, right? The patterns of the world. And as the church, you know, sometimes the church, I'm not talking about New Covenant, talking about the, the, the church, especially in America, is stuck in patterns. So this isn't just a personal message, but it's a corporate message. We have to get out of the pattern. We have to think differently in order to move differently. 
We can't keep doing the same thing the same way. Jesus in his first miracle, they said, we, we're out of wine. We need more, we need more wine. The, the wine stores are closed. The, the state stores closed, right? Wine and spirits closed already. They closed it at nine. I'm guessing. They closed at nine. It's 11 o'clock. We've been partying at this wedding all night, and we have to figure something out. Put it in Jesus' hands. He wasn't a miracle worker. He wasn't a miracle worker. He wasn't a miracle worker. He was there helping out. He wasn't the Messiah. Nobody saw him that way. Let's make it very plain. He was, his mother was putting on this, this wedding. She was helping out with the, the coordination. They ran out of wine. It's an emergency. They, they said, who, who, we got to do something. Ricky, figure it out. On the spot. And instead of, he, he could have said, oh, all right, let's go find some grapes and I'm going to create a miracle and make them and bring juice fast. I, you know, later on I'm going to multiply bread and fish. I can get these grapes, multiply them, crush them. There was, there was no conventional thinking. He said, grab water. Something different. Grab water. Something different. I have to change the way in which you all will think. Grab water. Don't look for juice. Don't look for unfermented wine. Grab water. I have to shift your thinking. Now when you go forward and you see a miracle happen, you'll know that something took place. Something in his mind had to take place. They had to see the miracle happen. Sometimes God is setting us up for miracles that happen on a daily basis. But because we are stuck to conventional thinking, we can't make anything happen because we have to look for the proper ingredients that we know. We can't do anything differently because we can only figure out how we've always done it. Sometimes you get into a situation that shifts your thinking. I, I um, wanted to bring a friend of mine very quickly to uh, share a little with us this morning. Uh, Brother Sergio, if you can come forward. Do we have another mic for him? Thank you. Anybody hear me? I don't know if you recognize this young brother. I can call him young brother because I feel old sometimes. And I talk to a lot of youth and I call them young and they definitely call me old. But I don't know if you recognize this brother. He's a, a son of New Covenant. We grew up together, right? We, we ran the hallways of, of Ardley Street. We, we got in trouble together. Right? And it, it's been a while since he's been here. This is Brother Sergio Highland. And, and I, I want you to introduce yourself and, and just to share with us about your journey. You can start from... From, from here. From here. Gotcha. So first of all, good morning, everybody. I want some of my condolences to Sister Bob and your family, brother, um, uh, Pastor Hyacinth, and your father, of course, and you and your brothers and 
everybody else. Um, so my relationship with God, my relationship with Christ began in New Covenant over 30 years ago when we were still on Artley Street. And like Andy said, that's, that's how you know he's known me a long time. Because anybody who calls me Andy, they, they, they get the right to. Because they've known me from when I was Andy running around. So every day we would be here. It was something going on here every day. It was Bible study. It was, um, we had the Boy Scouts here. We had all sorts of retreats and camps and everything. And so... My, my spirituality, my growth in, in that regard started here. But then you get older and, and life gets more serious. So as I got older, I started to understand what was going on in my home. And it was difficult. I wasn't receiving the things that I needed as a, any child needs. You know, I had both parents, but they were so busy with taking care of us. You know, I missed out on certain lessons, so I looked I look for those lessons. I look for the things that I was missing in the home. I, I went to the streets, and I, and I found them in the streets. Well, I thought I did. The acknowledgement, the self-esteem, the power, you know, the, uh, the dignity or whatever, I guess. I found in the streets, and I realized that the streets, the only thing that matters is, is not the strongest survive. It's the most violent survives. You were searching for meaning in the streets. Absolutely, I was searching for purpose. I wanted, I, I felt like I was just existing. You know, my parents told me they loved me, but I, I didn't understand it because I didn't know who I was, what I was supposed to be, or even how to find it. But I went to the streets for it and I found it, or I thought I did. And unfortunately, I excelled, I excelled in that lifestyle. And uh, when I was 19, I went to prison. I went to prison when I was 19. I'm 41 now. I was just released in February. So, but my problems didn't stop when I got to prison. They only started because in prison, you have to be even more of what you were on the streets. Because if you didn't, you would be a victim. So I had to be more violent. I had to care less about people things like that, and because of that, I spent over five years straight in solitary confinement, which is 23 and one, locked in your cell 23 hours a day with nobody to talk to, um, no human interaction, and I started to deteriorate back there, and eventually I met some older men who had 30 or 40 years in, who ended up changing my life, and I learned from being back there that, um, if you want different results, you have to have a different mentality. So I started to read and I started to study and I started to get myself together as far as education is concerned. And I don't know if people ever felt like you had everything together, but you're missing something. You feel like you have everything, but it's just something missing and you don't know what it is. Now I felt like I had the education. I felt like I had the new friends, the new circle. I felt all of this, but I still was missing something. And I couldn't understand what it was. And that went on for, you know, for many years. In prison, you know, God is a popular topic, right? But the, the popular people in there, you know, they stray away from Christ, right? It's a Muslim thing. And I was, I was no different. And that's what I embraced. But in 2017, I came back, and I had reached rock bottom, and I knew what I was missing. But I couldn't realize that until I realized what I wanted. And I asked Christ to accept me back as I accepted him. And I, and I did that. And when I did it, everything changed for me. And this is no lie. I felt like a whole new person. Everything changed. Everything started to come back into perspective. 
I'm not a, I worked hard on the inside. I became a published author. And not, I'm not talking about like fiction novels and poetry and stuff like that. I became a published author. I wrote political articles, essays. I had a weekly radio appearance. I did all of these things. I had over 70 certificates and awards that I had won on the inside and still felt incomplete. And then I accepted Christ and everything changed. And I knew what my purpose was. I know I'm up here to speak to people, to change your, your perspective, your, your mentality for people who go through the things that I went through. Not long after that, I reconnected with a friend of mine, my best friend from childhood, and soon after that, we, we became married. And the thing about that is this. This is the most positive person I ever met in my life. And she always would tell me, you have to stop thinking the way you're thinking. This is going to happen. And I'm like, yo, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. But it would happen. Then it came time for me to be released. I had an opportunity to see parole. And I knew a person with my record was up against it. And she kept telling me, no, it's going to happen. And I'm like, nah, you're crazy. Because I had the type of prison record that no prison wanted me. When it was time to kick me out from every institution I had been in, nobody would accept me. So I would stay longer and longer in solitary confinement until another prison agreed to accept me. But she told me, no, this is going to happen. And it happened. And I was worried when I came home. What am I going to do? I got all these skills. I'm the man on the inside. What am I going to do out here? But through God's grace and mercy, you know, my mentality, because it changed and I put myself around different people, I came home right to success. And I got a really good job. I'm a political organizer for, for a political party. I work with the city's top elected officials and, and most of them around the state as well. Um, but none of that happens without me changing my mindset. But you have to be ready to change your mindset. You have, to be, you have to hit a point where you want something different. Because if you don't want anything different, you have no incentive to change your mindset. And like, like Andy said, like before you do, you have to know first. And that's what I spent all that time doing, was learning. And I feel so good right now to be able to talk to everybody here. Because this is where it started at for me. I, I was scrolling through Instagram or, or, or Facebook and when I first came home, and I'm like, I wonder what's up with the Granums. And I found them. And I was just so proud to see what you're doing and what everybody else is doing as well. And when I see you up here on this stage, it reminds me of when I used to watch your father walk back and forth on this stage. Some, some differences, fashion sense, <laughs> you know. Never caught, would have never caught Bishop Granham <laughs> like that, but that's okay, you know. And um, I felt compelled to come here. I'm, 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 I don't usually get nervous when I speak because you know I speak to all sorts of people. I'm, I'm at all sorts of events, but this is different. This is not a normal situation for me. This means a lot to me, probably more than anything. And uh, so. I'm here to help not, if you're not going to change your mindset after hearing my story, then at least have a different perspective. At least consider a different perspective. Because people need encouragement. People need love. People need to know that they have a purpose. And if they don't feel like that, if you don't give them that, they're going to find it from somewhere. Because that's what human beings do. We seek our meanings. We seek our purposes. And if, and if people in the streets are telling me my purpose is to carry a gun, to sell drugs, to go do all this stuff, that's what I'm going to believe my purpose is. That's what I believed it was. And it didn't stop on the inside. And so there's a lot more to my story that I could go on and on and on about. But we don't have time for that. So, so, so let me ask you, so what's the name of you? You have an organization? Well, I work for the Working Families Party. I'm, right. an, organi I'm, an, I'm an organizer for them. So. And what do you feel like is your life's purpose at this point? So my life's purpose, I believe, is to use, like you just said, the description you just quoted about 
presenting your body as a sacrifice. That's my life's purpose. I'm not trying to be famous or any of that other stuff. If I use my story, I know a lot of people will judge me or misjudge me. But my purpose is to use my story, my physical example of what I've been through to show other people that things are possible. You don't have to be what I was. You don't have to get respect that way. There are options, there are opportunities, and I know a lot of times those opportunities seem like they're hidden, but you know, my purpose is to expose those opportunities and expose the people to those opportunities in the same communities that I grew up in. I, I, I think sometimes that we misunderstand what it means to be a living sacrifice. I think that we, we, we think that it means that we only, uh, how, how can I put this? We, we only live for God, right? Without really understanding what that means. So instead of fulfilling our own purpose, we say whatever God wants, right? And we wait for instruction from God. And we wait for instruction from God. But we stand still and we never move. We never use the, the gifts that he's given us. We never walk in faith. The, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But without faith, it's impossible to please yourself as well. Because I can guarantee that if you don't please God, you will not be happy. Amen? If, if, if you're not living a life that is pleasing God, if you're not walking in faith and pleasing God, if you're not walking in purpose and pleasing God, then you won't be happy either. You won't be happy either. When you talk about being a living sacrifice and, and, and now you're not living for yourself, right? You, you, you're you're living for those who've been through your experience, right? And that's your purpose at this point in your life. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. And I'm, that's my purpose, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. I feel, like, I feel like life is so short and so precious that I don't have time to be selfish because even if I got everything that I, that I secretly wanted or wished for or hoped for, there would be no joy in those things because I'm not contributing. And so, you know, I, I try to, I'm not perfect, you know, I try to make my life about being better and being an example. You know, I'm a husband now and I'm not perfect at that either. But I try every day, and I'm going to keep trying because that's what I want to do. And real quick, you know, like you stated before, renewed mind gives renewed purpose. It brings to mind a quote, and I think it was Maya Angelou who said it, but it's something like, um, it is, it's better to know uh, where to go and not know how than to know how to go and not know where. And so, wow. you know, um, relationship, my relationship with, with Christ has given me that, the how and the where. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be better, just didn't know how, right? Let me ask you something real yeah. quick. One last question. If, if you didn't go through what you went through, what would you be doing? So there's no, there's no telling, right, what I would be doing if I didn't experience what I experienced. Does anybody want to go to prison? No. But who is to say that I would still even be alive today if I didn't go there? Exactly. I'm not saying that prison saved me. That's not what I'm saying. Because there's no, I believe that prisons don't have to exist. I believe they are always alternatives. However, I do know the lifestyle that I was living on the inside and outside. You know, I've been shot, I've been stabbed in prison. You know, I, I was very, I was on that side of it. Like I lived it for real. And the, the ironic part about all of this is that 
what got me to prison, the lifestyle I lived while I was inside of prison, which was all negative, unfortunately, but there is a benefit to it though. It, had, it gives me the credibility with the younger people who are living that lifestyle. It gives me that credibility to be able, when I speak, they listen. So, so he worked it all for good. All for good. Even, Absolutely. Even, what, even what got you there. Right. Even what got you there, he worked right. it to your benefit right. and so, to his glory. Right, absolutely. The time that you spent there, he worked it right. for your good and his right. glory. Right. And I didn't know what he was training me for. I just knew I wanted to be better. I knew I wanted to be a better speaker. I wanted to be a better writer. I wanted to be educated. Um, but I just didn't know why. I just knew I wanted that. And, and then it all came together. And, and he gave me that purpose. And now it's like the car that has been idling for so many years is now in gear. You know, so. I remember when he went in, and it it was it was heartbreaking. But I also remember what his where he was on the streets, and you know, but for the grace of God, decisions decisions, right? But this brother is here today. Amen. Thank you, Sergio. I, I, I just want to leave you with this, that it, it, it doesn't matter what your journey has been, right? If you get stuck in that place and you, you can't see your way through, if you, if you can't Focus on where you're trying to go. Then you won't be able to, to, to truly renew your mind. I, I, when, when God first called me, I, I, I started, uh, I, went, I went all out. I went crazy. My friends called me crazy. I turned off my TV. I turned off the radio. I only listened to my dad's tapes. I wouldn't listen to the the radio in the car, my friends hated driving with me because, you know, I'm driving down the street blasting this, this guy preaching and they're trying to listen to music and they literally stopped riding with me. But I knew that I wanted something and the only way to get it was to, to receive what I didn't have. And it was through the process of of listening and reading that my mind became renewed and, and that word renewed means renovate. And nobody does a renovation if you don't know what you want that building to look like, right? You don't start a project unless you know what the outcome is going to be or what you want it to look like. And what I want us to do, what I want us to be known for, even as a church is a place that renovates minds. We renovate minds. We renovate the mind. For, for those of you who have grandkids, raise your hand again. For your grandkids, we want to be a place that renovates their minds. That sets them on a different path, that, that gives them purpose and gives them understanding and gives them, them handles. We can't go through life just trying to be good anymore because your good's not good enough. We have to know where we're going. We have to know what we're doing this for. 
We have to live with purpose. And we want this to be a place that will bring out that purpose. The Bible says that purpose is in the, the, the heart of a man, but a man of understanding draws it out. And we want to be a drawing out place. And you might be watching with us and this message and Sergio's story. And, and where can they find you, Serge, online? If they want to reach out to you, they want to support what you're doing, where can they find you? And what's the name of your page? Uptown Surge. Uptown underscore Surge. One word, Uptown Surge, S-E-R-G. We want to be able to, to, to pour into ministries like that, people's lives. The church has to be, we have to, we have to reinvent the way that we see ourselves. It's not just about bringing people in anymore. We have to go out and, and change the way that people think. I don't just want to not conform to the patterns of this world, but I want to change the patterns of the world. That's what we have a mandate to do. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, I must be about my father's business, and I want us to be about our father's business. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.